so this morning, let's get into the Word of God. If you've got a Bible or if you've got a screen that you scroll through to read God's Word, get that ready because um, we've got a little bit of heavy lifting this morning, if that's all right. Um, this is not really a, a light fluff and bubble message, which is nothing wrong with those at times, but this is going to be um, meat and three veg that hopefully will be really helpful for us. Um, so before we get into that, I think it's important that we pray, um, at least just for my own sake and sanity. So let's do that. God, we thank you for your word. Thank you that it is alive and living. We thank you that we can be gathered here today and, uh, and learn more about you, Lord God, to draw closer to you. Lord, let today not just be about um, information being you know, communicated, but let it be about transformation. That let the words of heaven sink into our hearts and transform us to become more like you so we can be part of uh, the solution to this world, Lord God. We just thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I grew up, some would argue that, um, in in a ch- <laughs> you're welcome in an era where there's a lot of I think they they label it today prosperity preaching I think it's very loose on how they would interpret that there's not really a clear definition of what someone would say that is but but there's a lot of teaching that uh, in the 90s and 2000s coming through Pentecostal churches um, about God giving you the best life and having this and life would be awesome and 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 just got to have faith and God will give you that new Mercedes Benz and all those different things that you want there was a lot of emphasis put on the good life the the easy life, the fun life. And so there's a lot of um, space left void where the reality of people's life, where things just sucked, um, there was no theology for that because we weren't hearing a lot of teaching around that. It was just like, yeah, God's got the best for you. God. And what I've come to realize as I have grown, as I have studied God's Word, is that God does not prom- promise us an easy life. He does not promise us an easy life. What he does promise us, though, is the best life. Now, there's an issue there because we define best as easy. The path of least resistance. Whatever I want, whatever my preferences are, that is the best and the best life for me. But God's definition of best and our definition of best probably don't line up as much as we would appreciate or, or want them to. So God does not promise us an easy life, but he does promise us the best life. And so that, that pretty much is, is the heartbeat, again, behind why we're doing this series called The Standard, looking at the, the Sermon on the Mount. If, if When Jesus becomes the standard, we become disciples. And so he is the one we follow. He is the one we look to. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Here's a little newsflash for you. We're not. I'm not. Mark and Bernie Kelsey are not Anna. They're not the way, the truth, and the life. But Jesus is. And we see that through his life. He proved it through his resurrection. And so he's the standard that we look to. He's the standard by which we measure ourselves as followers, as disciples. And until he is the standard for our life as Christians, we, we fail to live at the, the, the full capacity of life that he died on the cross for us to have and for us to live. So we've been looking at the Beatitudes, the first part of the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the, are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. And last week, Anna hit a home run with blessed are the peacemakers, which was amazing. 
And, and, and this picture that Jesus is painting by describing the, the ultimate disciple, if you like, is this is what the best life looks like. It looks like being a peacemaker. It looks like being pure in heart. It looks like being merciful. It looks like hungering and hungering even a word. Having a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. It looks like mourning, but receiving God's comfort in the midst of mourning. It looks like being poor in spirit. That's what the best life looks like. And today we're going to jump into Matthew 5, verse 10 to 12. And... It's really going to appear as though everything I've just said is going to be undone by what Jesus says here about the best life. Here we go. Matthew 5.10. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Dang it. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If If that wasn't bad enough, he continues. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven for they persecuted the prophets who were before you so there are so many ways and angles and there is so much i could break down in this particular passage and you've probably got an angle that you're thinking that this should be exegeted but i'm going to break it down to three simple statements that i'm going to unpackage the first is this disciples are treated bad for being good You and I will be treated bad for being good, which seems like it doesn't make sense. It seems like it's unfair. See, the context for this particular passage is, and we need to not miss it because it changes everything. It changes the whole God pouring out everything to us if we get the, the, the context incorrect here. It's blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Not blessed are those who are persecuted full stop. So I'm a Christian and um, I'm just constantly getting persecuted and, and it's really hard and everyone's against me. And, and it's, well, are you living a righteous life? No, I'm actually a bit of a jerk. Uh, and I treat people really badly and I don't pay my employees well and I, I'm really aggressive and argumentative and I have this sort of this spirit on me that doesn't get along with people. Well, you shouldn't be blessed. That's not what Jesus is saying. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake good people who do good things they get treated poorly that's the way of the kingdom if you get treated poorly because you're treating others poorly well that's as a man sows, so shall he reap you're just being an idiot don't be an idiot be a disciple is this being recorded good (laughs) when we're committed to the kind of life that jesus is describing in the beatitudes we can expect opposition but also we can expect to be blessed because there's always a blessing on the other side of our obedience blessed as we've learned is divine joy and perfect happiness are for those who are persecuted because of righteousness sake it's interesting that the beatitude this beatitude comes right off the back of of last week's or the which is the previous verse which is blessed are the peacemakers so it's kind of like jesus is saying Hey guys, here's here's the life to live. If you're a peacemaker, you're going to be blessed. So blessed are the peacemakers. And then right after that goes, oh, and you're going to get persecuted. So good luck with that. I'm not going to make life easy for you. If you follow me, it's going to be tricky. And uh, so yeah, but be peacemakers, even though everyone's going to treat you poorly. Like, well, thanks, Jesus. You've really set us up for failure, haven't you? That's wonderful. Thank you very much. But that's the way the kingdom works. For me, um, 
most of the persecution that I have found in my life for, not because I'm an idiot, because sometimes I am, um, but most of the persecution I have faced as a result of choosing to pursue holiness and righteousness, choosing to live my life in a certain way that God would have me live, has actually come from within the church, not outside the church. Um, most, if not all, it's, v- it's very rarely that, see the world has become increasingly more indifferent towards me on a, oh you're a Christian, good on you, that's cool, whatever. Um, but in the church, it's like you live a righteous life, those, those that don't want to pay the price of discipleship will get agitated by that because they want things to be easy. And they misinterpret God when he says, I want to give you the best life because I want to give you the easy life. But discipleship is not easy, but it is rewarding. And so I, I have found that people have, unfortunately, um, on occasion, not always, but, but some of the, the worst attacks have been blows from within the church. I remember when um, we were dating, uh, that's Anna and I, by the way, in case you're wondering. Um, <laughs> not you and I, whoever you think. Weren't we were dating? No, we weren't. Um, we, we had a bunch of Christian couples um, at the same time, all sort of friends. And this one Christian couple actually ridiculed us and paid us out because we made a decision to save ourselves for marriage. Christian couple. It's like, whoa. And I remember sitting back and going, are you kidding me? Like, pretty sure that's what the Bible teaches about purity and, and, and that sex is, is to be reserved for the sanctity of marriage and it's the celebration of two people coming to and, and so anyway, they, they gave us a hard time about that, which was, which was pretty harsh. Um, and so we felt a little bit persecuted in, in that regard because we wanted to pursue holiness and righteousness. Um, cutting a long story short, that, that marriage is now done. They, they are no longer together. And the irony is that the thing that took the marriage out was infidelity. So even from the very beginning, there's clearly an issue, a spiritual issue going on in their relationship of, around lust that they saw on us uh, an attempt to remain pure. And I guess it's the spirit in us that agitated the demons in them. And so that caused them to, to lash out at us. But we had to see that for what it was. And now with the beautiful uh, image of hindsight, we can go, oh, okay, so there we go. That's what was going on. Um, but there's persecution. In the West, um, persecution looks a lot different to a lot of the other parts of the world. I, I would say, in my opinion and observation, in the West, persecution for us is probably more internal. Um, it's probably more attacking um, our, our identity. It's more uh, a crucifixion of our reputation than it is our body. That's sort of how people would cause us harm in regards to persecution. If I could just defame that person, if I could just attack their integrity, if I could just attack their uh, identity, then that's, that's persecution. That's probably the main source of persecution you and I will face today. It's not likely that we're going to get beheaded for our faith um, where we live and the, the culture we're in. However, other parts of the world, that is the case where persecution for them is far more external than it, than it is internal. They, they, people want to physically cause them harm because of the faith that they hold to live. And so the, it's, just, it's interesting and, and important to note that persecution can come in many ways, shapes and forms, and it's going to look different for us here in the safety of our Western um, Australian country on the coast. We're, we're pretty sheltered, but around the rest of the world, persecution is happening in, in many, many ways. Um, I want to share a couple of scriptures. This is the heavy lifting that, that I was talking about. Um, these are some scriptures that I find really comforting for me. These are the scriptures that um, I try to live by, or at least these are my 
my true north when it comes to the area of persecution, opposition, and people's opinions. Um, so if you want to take notes, you can. Otherwise, listen back on the podcast. But one, I'll put these in the email, actually. 1 Peter 2, 15 to 17. Basically says, doing good silences the ignorant and foolish people. So when we consistently do good, we shut the mouth of the fools and the ignorant. To live free, serving God, to honour everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God. 1 Peter 2, 15, 17. 1 Thessalonians 4, 11, sort of like Anna and I's, um, our, our catch cry. Um, and that is, to, that it says, aspire to live a quiet life and mind your own business. I love that, aspire. Have a goal, a desire to live a quiet life. Um, I, I cringe watching, like, I love sport, but what I, what I hate is watching boxers in interviews. Um, have you ever watched a boxer in an interview? All, all they do is self-promote the whole time. And I, I am, like, have this allergic reaction to self-promoters. I'm just like, let, let your fist do the talking in the ring, and then I'll respect you. Because uh, your mouth discredits you because I'm repulsed by your vile pride. Um, <laughs> is that too much? Is that a little bit too honest here this morning? Because my heart is to aspire to live a quiet life and to mind my own business. Uh, 1 Peter 2.23. When they hurled insults at him, Jesus, he did not retaliate. He made no threats. He entrusted himself to him who judges justly. So when I'm facing persecution, when, when, when bad things are happening to me for being good, I remember, hey, Jesus did not retaliate. He made no threats back. He entrusted himself to the one who judges Justly, which lines up beautifully with what we read in Romans 12, 17-21, which says, Do not take revenge, but let vengeance be mine, says the Lord. Instead, this is the hard bit, um, Paul teaches us that we, we should love our enemies and take care of them. And if we see them struggling, care for them. If we see them in pain, relieve them. If we see them hungry, feed them. It's like, what the heck? If I see an enemy down, I want to sort of kick him in, in the guts. And it's like, but that's not what a disciple does. That's not blessed are the peacemakers. That's, you know, don't take vengeance into your own hands, but let God take care of it for you. You just do what he's called you to do, and that's be the hands and feet of Jesus and serve and love other people. In fact, it says right towards the end, I think it's verse 20 or 21 in Romans 20, that in doing so, it's like heaping hot coals on their head. It's like, whoa. If you've ever been in a fight, like you can knock someone out with a punch and it's like, yeah, I can win, and, and, or whatever, get them in a headlock and they tap out, and it's all good. But, but, but if you pour hot coals over someone's head, that's, that's 10 times out of 10 you're winning that fight. That is just like game over, hot coals beats fist punch every day of the week. So we do the hot coals and knock people out by sharing the love of ki- and kindness that Jesus put in us to other people. 1 Peter 3.16, keep a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. There you go. Blessed are the pure in heart. 1 Peter 4.19, so then, those who suffer according to God's will, which is living a life in the pursuit of holiness and righteousness, when Jesus becomes the standard, we become disciples, right? So when those who suffer according to God's will, as disciples, they should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Don't recoil. Don't shy back. 
in the face of adversity, in the face of opposition, continue to sow seed, continue to do good, continue to keep your heart clear and with a good conscience, serve and love people. It is one of the hardest things you could ever do. But blessed are the meek, right? Blessed are those who show so their strength in the form of restraint. 2 Peter 1.3 His divine power has given us everything we need to live a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. God will give us everything we need to live the godly life. If we choose to live a life of obedience, if we choose to live a life of sacrifice, then God will give us what we need to get through even the hardest times when persecution befalls us. So point one was disciples are treated bad for being good. Point two your reward is worth it. Your reward is worth it. Hebrews 11 talks about Abel being commended as a man of righteousness. Enoch was commended as one who pleases God. Noah was commended for being righteous. Abraham was commended as being faithful. Romans 2.6 says this. It says that God will repay each one according to what he has done. Also read in Scripture, do not be deceived, God will not be mocked, for as a man sows, so shall he reap. Galatians 6, 9, do not become, grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Matthew 25, 21, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's Happiness. There is so much in store for us who live a discipled life. There is so much in store for us who choose to see Jesus not just as a historical figure or, or, or the, the head plate of our, of our religious organization, but to see him as the standard and follow him as such. There is an incredible award reward that awaits us, even though and especially because we get treated badly. James 1 verse 12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised for those who love him. There is a reward. There is a great reward that awaits all of us who live a discipled life. And so we have to keep that in mind, that, that this life is temporary, this life is short, um, and you know you kind of blink and you miss it. We get one opportunity. This is the dress rehearsal, and so we want to make sure that that that, that sorry, it's not the dress rehearsal. It's the main thing. There, there's a life to come that 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 this life will sort of determine, and so that life to come is a massive blessing. We receive the crown of life if we do not grow weary in doing good and being who God has created us to be. Third and final point. It happened to the best of them. It happened to the best of them. Now, if we go back to Hebrews 11, which talked about um, uh, Enoch and Abraham as commended by God and all the other people that Hebrews 11 talks about, we also see in Hebrews 11 how um, men of faith and our fathers of the faith have gone before us actually didn't go too well for them. They lived their best life, but their best life wasn't easy. Their, their best life was actually hard. And here's what happened to some of these guys. They were jeered or they were paid out. They were mocked. They were flogged. They were imprisoned. They were stoned to death. They were sawn in half. They were killed by the sword. They were destitute. They were afflicted. They were mistreated. 
doesn't sound lovely. It's a Christian life. This is what we signed up for. This is wonderful. This is fantastic. What an inheritance. Praise Jesus. Amen. Specific examples that we see throughout Scripture of it happened to them, to the best of them, was Abel was persecuted by Cain. Joseph was persecuted by his brothers. David was persecuted by Saul. Daniel suffered persecution. Paul was persecuted immeasurably more than we could ever understand. In prison numerous times, he was shipwrecked, bitten by snakes, he was stoned, it was all sorts of stuff happened to Paul. He was, man, persecuted life. The apostles were persecuted. And the thing, the common thread that links through all these guys is they were all righteous men seeking to live a holy life. They were all God's appointed and chosen men to do incredibly godly things and they were persecuted. But there's a reward in heaven that awaits them and there's a reward in heaven that awaits us when we, we push through. And this is what I'm saying. This is a hard message. This is not like easy fluff and bubbles. This is like, you know, life is going to get tough but we need to have a good theology around suffering in order to be able to maintain and push through that and having done all to stand, continue to stand by knowing who we are in Christ and who Christ is in us. It's massive. John 15, 20, Jesus says this, Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. This is what, I, this is what lacked for me in the 90s. This was the void I talked about at the start of this message about how, yeah, just give your life to Jesus. It's the best, it's the best, it's the best, it's the best, it's the best. But what about this space here where Jesus says, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. That helps us have a more balanced theology, a more balanced understanding of the Word of God, a more balanced understanding of life, because there's going to be seasons where life is awesome. Your health is good. Finances are great. Relationships are awesome. Church ministry is going super well. Everything is so cool. And God, you could not be praised more highly because you're amazing in faith. I love you, Jesus. And he's worthy of our praise in all those things. But there's also seasons where, man, we get that bad diagnosis. The best friend we thought was going to be friends forever just turned and stabbed us in the back. And now we're left thinking, well, do we even have any friends? You might go through a hard time in your marriage. You might find things with your kids start going a bit rocky. You might get that phone call from your boss saying, look, I've got no more hours for you this week. Um, too bad, then you can't pay your mortgage. And all sorts of things happen. So where, where is the theology of God is awesome, everything is good for you? Where, where is that in those moments? Because that's real life. But when you understand that a servant is not greater than his master, we should not expect to have a, a better, more prosperous life than Jesus, depending how you define that. Because if he was persecuted, we'll be persecuted also. Now we can start to have a more holistic view of how to live life well as a disciple of Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 3.12 All that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Many ways, shapes or form. It could be like we in the West, we suffer more internally, where we have relationships break down, we, we people might attack our integrity or our reputation or judge us by how we choose to live our life. Or, or maybe in other parts of the world, it's far more dramatic and far more violent than that, where persecution looks like literally having hands cut off, heads cut off, and, and being a martyr in the literal sense of the term for our faith. So, 
Good luck with all that. Um, <laughs> hope life treats you well. And uh, to God be the glory um, in all of that. Here's my final statement. When we make Jesus the standard and become a disciple, we can expect opposition. We can expect persecution. It may seem unfair and unjust, and it more than likely is. But know that the great men and women of faith who have gone before us have endured this also. Jesus himself has endured this, and there is a great reward for those of us who do not give up. Blessed with divine joy, blessed with perfect happiness, are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Have you ever asked the question or thought about the question? And this might sound real like dark and um, not really filled with faith. But ever ask the question, what would it take for me to lose my faith? What would, it, what would it take for me to stop coming to church, stop reading my Bible, stop praying, stop believing? Um, I've been a Christian now for 25 years, I believe. And I, I have seen like literally hundreds of people find faith and lose faith again. And I think it's a lot of us to do with the fact that the roots don't go down deep enough. And being a youth pastor for 10 years, it's a lot of us to do with just kids wanting to have fun and, and church and religion seems to slow that down and, and hinder that a little bit so that's a little bit fickle, but... But watching adults do it is a different story because it's less about the pleasures of sin and, and the flesh. Sometimes it is. But oftentimes it's about finding God and connecting with God in, in seasons of life where it's not how you thought it would be. It's not... not what you sort of signed up for, you thought it was going to be easy. But Jesus never promised the easy life. He promised the best life. And so there's moments like those where people's preferences, their, their ideals are challenged, where hardship comes knocking on the door and it wears people down. And I, and I get it. Like there's no, there's no judgment here. I, I can understand that. But I would hate for us, any of us, because here's the thing, here's my little, to be, to be brutally honest, BH. When I look at you, whoever you are, and I do look at you, when I'm talking to you, when, when we have coffee or we have dinner or we're talking after the service or whenever it is, this is going to sound arrogant. Please, it's not arrogant at all. Um, this, is, this is just, maybe it's the heart of a pastor, I'm not sure. I don't see you as you are. I see the potential in you when I talk to you. And, and so that potential just excites me. It's like, man, I can, I can see Rian preaching on this stage, leading 100 people to Christ. He's not doing that now. I'm not looking at Rian now when I talk to him and I see his heart, what I'm seeing is him preaching. 
and, and Pete and Em, I'm seeing them now as, as friends and as uh, worship pastors, but, but I can see them on a stage in front of 5,000 people worshiping Jesus. I can see them, I can see Pete leading people to Christ in his workplace. I can see Emily doing stuff internationally that will shift the way people see faith and see life. And as I look around, there's, there's different things for all of you. And if you gave me time, I could probably identify those things that I just see in my own spiritual eyes with faith, that the potential that each of you have. And what breaks my heart when people leave church or leave faith is not that they've disappointed me and they've left us and they don't like me. It used to be because I was very insecure. It used to be I thought they were you know, upsetting me. But what I've realized is they've just broken the connection to their potential by walking away. They've sold out and given up too early before the breakthrough comes that would give them the strength to be all that God has called them to be. And not to say that my idea of their potential is, is, is how everyone's life should pan out, but, but I feel like we all have a potential for our life that is far greater than our current reality, whatever that might look like. And because we get upset offended, bitter, disgruntled, we don't get our preferences met, someone treads on our toes, someone looks at us funny, someone parks in our car park, whatever it is, there's no coffee because it's broken, it didn't work, please forgive me because that's today. Um, <laughs> is that going to be the thing that unhinges you? Is that going to be the thing that disconnects you from God? Because I read through Hebrews 11, I read through the Scriptures, read through all this stuff. Those that receive the crown of life that awaits them, that God has prepared for them, are the ones that will persevere. Perseverance and long-suffering are part of the fruit of the Spirit that is evidence of God's regenerative power at work in you and in me. And so there's going to be seasons of hard times. But let's not allow those seasons to disconnect us from our destiny. Let's not allow hardship to be the thing that takes us out and robs us of our eternity with Jesus forever. Let's not, those, let, let's not let those things steal the potential that is in every single one of us. And at the same time, to the flip of the coin, when things are great, let's not allow the blessings of healthy seasons to let us lower the bar of dedication and prayer, and worship. Because as a man sows, so shall he reap. And there's always that lag period between when we pray, when we push in, and when God moves. And what tends to happen is, and I've experienced this for myself as well, is there'll be seasons where I might pray for for six months and I'm consistent I'm reading the word, word of God and I'm praying and worshipping in six months I just feel the presence of God and it's really cool and it's hard work for the first little bit but it gets easier through spiritual stamina and then after six months I start to feel the blessing and God's favour and I just feel like full of life and, and it feels great I feel like every day is easy to get out of bed and I feel like I'm a better husband I'm a better father I'm a better person and, and so I stop with the intensity of the prayer and the, the, the word and it becomes less and less and less. But I'm not feeling the effects because I'm still living in the blessing from the, the previous six months of hard work I put in. And so there's this period where it's like, I can do what I want. I'm good. The Lord's favor surrounds me. All of a sudden, 
the blessing runs out from that previous sacrifice and I'm left with just me. It's like, oh dear. Oh dear Lord. So I've got to go back to the basics, back to prayer, back to worship, back to, the, to my prayer closet and go, God, I need you. God, and then I'll just consistent with that and then I'll wait and then God will pour his blessing out. So the key is to stay in the place that gives us access to his presence. So not walk in our own strength thinking we've got this when it's actually God's blessing on our life as a reward for our faithfulness over here. And the flip side too, don't give up in the waiting period between when you've started and when it starts to pour. Faithfulness is the key. God is faithful to us. We read that this morning in, in Psalm 107. God's love is, is steadfast and faithful is our devotion to Him likewise steadfast and faithful, regardless of circumstance. Let me pray. Father, I thank You so much for this morning. I thank You for Your Word. I thank You it is alive and it is living, Lord. It's, it's the only book that as we read it, it actually reads us. And I just thank You for this, this message this morning about persecution blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake or that even though we can expect persecution that that would not slow us down in seeking righteousness that would not make us hesitant to live holy lives Lord, we are not called to blend in and be like the world we are in the world but we're not of this world so Lord, we choose righteousness i pray that we would choose to live holy lives set apart lives devoted to you And when persecution comes, whether it's an attack against our integrity, whether it's an attack against our morality, whether it's an attack against our, our lifestyle, or whether it's physical, help us to realize that the great men and women who've gone before us, before us suffered too. Help us to realize that there is a great reward that awaits us. And Lord, help us to be faithful. Help us to be steadfast in our relationship with you. And God, in this moment, as we, as we bring this service to a close, as we land this message, Lord, I pray if there's anyone here who does not yet have faith in you. Firstly, I pray that I didn't scare them off with all this talk about persecution. But Lord, I pray that we would all understand that it is better to stand, better to stand for something than fall for everything. And I thank you that you'd remind us all that there is an incredible reward and award that awaits us in glory forever, a crown of life, a well done, good and faithful servant that awaits those who choose to follow you. And Lord, I thank you in this life, you give us meaning, you give us purpose. When we choose to follow you, we choose to live the life that you, creator of the heavens and the earth, king of all, have chosen for us to live. So Lord, I pray if there's anyone here today that might have been skeptical, unsure about their faith and has not made a decision to, to follow you, Lord, I, I just pray right now you would speak to their heart. And if that's you with every eye closed just out of respect, 
I would love you just to pop your hand up and say, hey, Just can you pray for me this morning? I would love to make a decision to follow Jesus. I want to enter into the life that He has for me. I've tried my own strength, I've tried to do it my own way, and it's really not working out that great. But I need to get God in and on my life. If that's you, just pop your hand up real quick just so I can see you, and I'll come meet you after the service. Awesome. So good. Well, that would mean that those of us here have got faith, which is awesome. Or we're still wrestling. You can, you can open your eyes. That's cool. We're not. If you didn't put your hand up and you know you should, that's okay. Wrestle. Seek and you will find. Continue to show up. Continue to ask questions. God will reveal himself to you. And for those of us who have salvation, we are living a life of faith. We will call ourselves disciples. Hopefully today blessed you. Hopefully today resolved that pocket, that void in our theology about what do we do when life gets crap. that will then give you the strength and the understanding to just continue to, to serve Jesus. God spoke to me ages ago and said, you know what, life, life is about seasons, not about stations. Like we don't, there's, winter doesn't stay for 24-7. It, it comes and it might feel like it's forever, but it, it'll, it'll go. Summer will come. Hardship will come and it might feel like it's forever, but, but it will pass. Good days will come. We're not stationed here, locked in, set in this, unless we choose to be. But if we keep our eyes on Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith, and He's actually in charge, He's writing the script, and seasons will change. God bless you. I love you. Hopefully there is coffee. Um, hopefully the coffee elves have fixed it in my inept absence. But God bless you guys.